All right. All right. We are we are going to uh we're just going to stay in a place of worship and we're going to uh study God's word now. We've been in a series called Kingdom Love. What we're doing in this series is we're looking at all the parables of Jesus that begin with the kingdom of God is like. So we've been looking at what is the kingdom and how do we walk the kingdom? How do we live the kingdom, and uh, we've been learning uh, a lot. So today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles, if you need a Bible, if you could put your hand up, and if somebody near the back could distribute Bibles to people who need them, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. And we're, we're learning a lot. Jesus is actually teaching us how the kingdom actually works. And we've learned about the kinds of soils and the human heart. We've learned about the way the kingdom bursts unexpectedly. We've heard all kinds of things uh, that help us to pray. We are actually learning how to pray in new ways. Last week we talked about a special prayer of warfare. And uh, I trust that's been useful to you uh, over the past week. We are learning also uh, that being... A child of God produces an identity in us. And we become more like the one who saved us. We become more like the one who changed our lives. And as we become like him, we receive in greater measure the, the fact that we are adopted into God's family. When we're adopted into God's family. We're becoming a new creation we are the first fruits of the new created order. We are, as we said earlier, one new humanity. That is what we are becoming. So we're doing all this out of our kingdom identity. Uh, we have been using a website called blesseveryhome.com. I've encouraged you. Who's, who's praying on bless, through blesseveryhome.com so far? Okay, see all the guys with the hands up? Okay, they're having a whole bunch of fun that you're not having. Because what you do is you go onto this website, you put your email address in, you put your physical address in, and then it it sends you an email, which you get on the days you want, to pray for five of your neighbors with a piece of scripture to pray over your neighbors. It is powerful, ground-plowing stuff. And we are now, as a church praying for over a thousand homes. All right. And so I I just encourage you to sign up and to plow the ground in prayer so that God can do the things that we've been we've been hoping he will do as we saturate our postal code in the next few months with the Jesus film and so forth. So today's kingdom parable is the mustard seed and the yeast. Matthew 13, starting in verse 31. This is the word of God. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. 
Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Quoting Psalm 78, verse 2. That's the word of God. And so what we learned last week is that the weeds are coming into the wheat. In other words, the kingdom of Satan is working its way into the world and getting in, in between the, the wheat that is representing the kingdom of God. Well, Jesus is teaching that the opposite is also true. The good things of the kingdom are working their way into the world. And the, the kingdom of God spreads like a mustard seed, spreads into a big tree. The kingdom of God is like yeast that spreads through the whole dough. And Jesus is speaking in parables, and he's giving the interpretation, and we can tell what he's saying here by the other things he's been saying. But he's telling us, look, faith, if it's real, is going to be growing, and it will take over everything. If that's true in your, if you have true faith, that'll be true in your life. And to illustrate this parable, I've invited a friend, uh, David Eaton, uh, to come and share because his life uh, has been a picture of a mustard seed of the kingdom taking over more and more and more and more of his life and the world around him. And he's a businessman who is uh, uh, walking this out. And so I just want to uh, welcome him and have you guys encourage him as he comes to share. Thank you, Dennis. Uh, so I couldn't agree more. Y'all are blessed to have to have him and Marianne. So just amazing, amazing people. So um, I was nine years old. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was uh, at, sitting outside a rock of the baseball field where my game had just ended. The sun was starting to set, and I remember the coach coming out as people were starting to file out, and he said, "Eaton, Eaton, do you have a ride?" Because my dad had not made it to my game again. I said, yeah, yeah, my dad's coming. So, you know, I'm good. I'm good. And he said, uh, he said, okay. And then he took off. Of course, that wouldn't happen today. But back then, it just happened. 20 minutes go by. The sun is now just about set. The parking lot is empty. I'm the only one there. And I thought, well, I, I guess I better walk home. So I start on the walk home, four miles Along a busy road, the sun has now set completely, it's dark, I'm scared, and I start crying. I remember seeing my dad's car coming along, and he kind of did a U-turn, and he like stops, he opens the door, I'm like wiping the tears from my face. I get in the car, and he's like, I'm so sorry, David, I got got caught up at work, traffic and the stuff, I'm, I'm so sorry I missed. And then he heard my sniffle, and he said, oh, quit your crying, you're okay. You're fine. Two memories of my dad. My dad at that particular time in my life was, uh, was an empty chair and a sound of a blender. The empty chair is what I remember every weeknight at dinner where my brother, my sister, and my mom and I would have dinner and, and my dad's chair would be empty because he traveled all the time. 
He traveled, he was in sales, so he was gone all the time. And then, and then I remember the sound of a blender because whenever he was home on the weekends, he would get the blender fired up and they would ha- he would have people over because my dad was a workaholic and my dad was an alcoholic. One thing my dad wasn't was a big encourager. I yearned as I grew up. I yearned for those words, I'm proud of you. I yearned for the words, good job, David. I yearned for the words, well done. I yearned for them. And so as I, as I got older, I, I, was, I would find any way I could to kind of hear those words. So I went to the school that he went to, Miami University, for college. I majored in something that he recommended because it would get me a good job, even though I didn't want to major in something like that. And I still never heard it. And then, and then we moved. I remember we moved. Before I went to college, we moved, and I was sitting in my house with my mom and my dad walked in. This is, this is when I was still a teenager. My, my brother and sister were off at college. And, and he came in and he announced to my mom and I that he was leaving the house. They were divorcing. Because one of his stops on his sales trips was Memphis, Tennessee, where his second wife lived. Because he divorced my mom and after an affair and then got married to her. And then he would eventually have another affair and get divorced again. So he had three wives. But again, I was yearning for that, for that affirmation. So I went to Miami. I majored in what he wanted to. And then I got out of school, and my mom passed away after, right after I got out of college. So I really feel like I didn't have anyone to go give me that affirmation. So I would start seeking it wherever I could find it. And so I got out of school, and I got a job in sales. And I learned that, man, performance, that is what fills me. Sales charts. Sales, sales reports where I, my name was at the top. I was, I was hungry. I figured if I, my, my name at the top right here, if my name's at the top, then I am absolutely going to get affirmed. And he might even notice because I'm so successful. I'm winning trips. I'm winning. I'm making money. I eventually, I eventually get married, have, have three kids. And I remember, I remember at this point in time, my dad was retired and I would say, Dad, why don't you come down and visit the grandkids? And he'd be like, well, you know, we're kind of busy. You can come see us, though. You can come see us. So I was seeking that anywhere I could. And so then I got married, and, and after about 18 years, I remember my wife coming in, my wife at the time coming in and saying, uh, saying David, I don't, I don't really want to do this family thing anymore, so um, I just want to let you know I'm leaving you for another guy. I don't really want to be a mom anymore. I don't want to be, a, I don't want to be a, a wife anymore. This other guy is kind of what I want, and so I'm leaving. And so this whole, this whole idea of rejection that I was feeling from my dad was like weaving its way. I had pushed it down there. I had pushed it down. The sales piece was just overcoming all that, but then it just kind of reeled itself back around again in this. And I remember, I, remember I, was, I was kind of reeling at the time. I didn't know what was going on. And my, my youngest son, Will, who was here today, was playing on a baseball team. And, and there was a mom of, a, of another player on the team that I got to know who was going through something similar. She's sitting right there. She is the love of my life. But at the time, she was a friend, and she was a light in my life. And we'll learn in a minute why a light in our lives is so important. Because today we're going to talk about the mustard seed. And the mustard seed is a parable that Jesus tells, and I think sometimes it's misinterpreted. The mustard seed, and you all have a, I think all of you, most of you got one, but man, if you feel that thing, it is tiny, right? It is teeny tiny. And the mustard seed really kind of comes out of a Greek word called synapi, 
which means a very small quantity of a thing which grows to remarkable size. A lot of people misinterpret the parable that we just need to have a small faith and it's all good. And that's not what Jesus is saying at all. He's saying something that starts small and grows to an amazing size. So we're going to look at some characteristics of a mustard seed. The first one that I love is the mustard seed must be planted in the field. Jesus says, the man planted it in his field. Christy and I have at our house, we have, uh, so Christy has three kids. Um, I have three kids. We're the Brady Bunch. For you that are younger than 12, it's a TV show from a long time ago. (laughs) But Christy and I have a bunch of plants in our house, and I can't tell you how many plants have died. Has anyone ever planted a seed or something that has not made it, has not lived, right? Right. So the mustard seed is not that kind of a seed. It's very durable. And sometimes we need to plant that seed in a new way. And what Christy taught me, one of the things that she taught me, is just about what's at the center of your life. So I would ask each one of you right now, who or what is at the center of your life? See, before I met Christy, I mean, I knew who Jesus was up here. I mean, I was saved as a teenager. I mean, I I accepted God. I mean, accepted Jesus into my heart. I was, you know, I thought I understood what was going on. But the center of my life revolved around my kids. Or sometimes, like after what happened to my dad and what happened after my, my divorce, the center of my life was me. And when we are at the center of our life, let me tell you, there is some danger that happens there because... Everything is how it impacts me. And she taught me that it's like, no, David, you got it wrong. It's like your priority is that Jesus is the center of our lives. So I'll ask you, it's like, what's in the center of your life? Because when I started putting my priorities in line and putting God first, and it's like now I tell Christy, it's like, baby, you're number two. And she's like, I'm good with that because he makes everything better. He makes everything better. So, so we go along. So, so Christy and I now have, have become engaged. We're super excited. Our kids are getting together. We're having dinners together. And soon after my divorce, my, my ex-wife now had moved to Florida with her, with her friend, away from her kids. So I'm a single dad, engaged, taking care of my kids. And she moves to Florida. And I remember that year, the kids went down to Florida for the summer, you know, for a few, a couple weeks in the summer to see her, and then they went back down again at Thanksgiving that year. And I remember them coming back, and and the two oldest ones were in high school. And I remember my daughter saying, "You know, Dad, Mom, Mom doesn't look good. You know, I think he's abusive." And I, I saw drugs on the counter. And I remember the next night, it was Sunday night. Kids were getting ready for school. We get a ring at the doorbell. We we'll open the door. There's two police officers there. I invite them in. The kids are wondering what's going on. They come down and they say, I'm sorry to inform you that your ex-wife and your mom has taken her life by suicide. I remember the surreal nature of looking at the faces of these three children just in bewilderment wondering, what is happening here? And I remember, I remember the feelings were churning up inside of me for the next, for the next few weeks. It was like this feeling of guilt, like I, I, I should have done this. I, I, I could have done that. I could have stopped this. I could have done something. And then there was, there was feelings of, of anger, of anger. I lost, I lost my mom at 25 years old or so to cancer. And here, this anger of like, how could she do this to her children on purpose? How? 
And then there was this, this sense of why. Why, is this, why did this happen? Which is mon- many of the things that people, when they experience suicide in their families or in their, in their world, guilt, anger, and why. But then a, a bigger emotion started coming up was fear. Could my children actually consider that as an alternative? I was terrified. I was riddled. And then I remember Christy and I were, Christy, God love her, she just, she said, she could have bolted, she just said, I'm out for this, this is too much for me, but she said, I am in. I'm all in. And I remember we were up in Michigan, we would go to Holland, Michigan, if we go to the, the next one, we go to Holland, Michigan every year, my stepfather has a place up there, and just an amazing place to go, and I often run there, and I often end up, there's a lighthouse, like at the very end there, I often end up at the lighthouse, just looking at the expanse of, the lake, of Lake Michigan and how beautiful it is. And I remember after this particular run, I got out there because Christy and I were, were wondering what to do. A month earlier, our closest friends in our, in our couple's small group lost their 20-year-old son, Andrew, to suicide, so now everything was just churning up a year after, the, after our, our experience. And I was wondering, what are we to do? And God spoke to me in that spot. I, I always say, He didn't speak to me for the first time in that spot. I listened for the first time in that spot because I had a mustard seed planted in my heart for the first time. And he said, he he started putting these visions in front of my head and he said, David, you're gonna you're gonna write a you're gonna do a movie about suicide that's gonna impact people in a brand new way. It's gonna help them heal. And I remember kind of looking around going, There must be another David here somewhere because we don't even go see movies let alone know how to make a movie. Christy falls asleep in movies, for crying out loud. So I go back and I tell Christy, I said, I, I think God is telling, me to, telling us to make a movie about suicide. And, and she, of course, asked if I had Bloody Marys or went and ran, which one I did. So, and she, but then instead of her response was, instead of her saying, well, then you should do that, she said, if God is telling us to make a movie, then we are going to make a movie. Light. She's light in my life. So we go back to our house and we literally started, how do you write a movie on the internet? That is literally how we started. We start writing. We just start writing in our dining room, writing, writing, writing. And then, and then here's what happens next with a mustard seed. Is the mustard seed grows. Because the mustard seed is planted in our heart. Our, it's planted our, in our heart when we say, yes, Jesus, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I, that seed was planted in my heart. And when we give it that yes, when we just say yes to the Lord, then all of a sudden he starts to grow it. And he started connecting us with all these different people. First it was like this producer, this Christian producer who, who's written scripts before. And he knows what's going on. And then, and then we got connected with a production company, someone here locally that actually produces movies. It was amazing, all these things that happened. But the, over this two-year period, it was just fear, frustration, because we didn't know how we were going to fund it. We didn't know if we were going to shoot on our iPhones. We didn't know what we were going to do. And so we learned in the mustard seed, we learned when it grows, is that you have to be in a position of power. This was our position of power because we had no idea what to do. And so we started getting connected, and I'll never forget, it was April 1st, 2013, our production partner said, David, I got, a, I got great news. We have a partnership with Asbury University down in Lexington, Kentucky. They have an amazing film department, all the latest equipment. We can use their interns, 
as, as, um, as staff and crew. We could shoot in July, three months, three months from now, but we need to raise $500,000 in eight weeks. In two years, we had raised $5,000. Guess where we ended up? And as soon as we did that, it's like the phone started ringing. Hey, we heard from Deb Clancy that you guys were doing a movie about suicide. We'd like to buy a share for $25,000. We're at dinner with a, at a local place we went, and, and she would ask us, what have you guys been up to? And the typical answer was, well, we're kind of making a movie about suicide. Um, you know, no idea how to, say, how to tell them that. And she said, can you come back tomorrow? And she writes us a check for $50,000. I'm in. We raised the entire shooting budget in six weeks. I called my friend Joe and said, Joe, we're going to have the money raised. And he said, we don't have any actors. We've got to get some actors. You know, it's now, it's now June 1st. we got till July. So we started calling all these, you know, we put a, he put the script down on what's called Breakdown Express, which is like the Hollywood job posting system. Put it out there, actors say, yeah, I'd like to do that. 4,000 responses in 48 hours. Biggest actors you can think of. None we could afford, but... <laughs> but... And the thing about the mustard seed, the thing about how it grows, if you think about a mustard tree, it can grow 30 feet high. It can grow 20 feet wide. The limbs can grow 12 feet long. Roots can go so deep, 10 feet deep. And that just shows us how wide, how high, how long, and how deep the love of Christ is for us because that's the only thing that made this happen. And I always remember, it's like, I can just picture him on the cross, and I always thought to myself, wow, he did that for us. And it's like, no, he didn't do that for us. He did that for you. 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 He did it because he loves you and you and you. If it was just one of us, he says, I'll do it. That's how much. And sometimes I just don't think we know how much he loves us. And, but all we need to make that mustard seed grow is light and water. That's how you make a seed grow. The water, living waters of Jesus running through us, just saying, yes, Lord, I will do whatever it takes. And the light of the world, which is people like Christy, people in your lives that, that bring the light of Christ in your life. You know those people. You know those people. You are those people for some. We all need to be those people. And so crazy things started happening. We converged, if you go to the next one, we converged on Lexington, Kentucky in July 2013. We filmed a movie called Hope Bridge. That's our crew up in the top left. We had a crew of 60. Some of our crew came from working on Captain America. Some came from working on Planet of the Apes. We had amazing actors. You might recognize Kevin Sorbo in the, in the bottom right. He's from Hercules or God's Not Dead. Boo Boo Stewart. Anybody watch Disney's Descendants? Boo Boo Stewart. Amazing guys and gals that said, I will do this for peanuts because I believe in the cause. We filmed the movie. You go into edit for like a year, and then all of a sudden it's kind of like, well, now what? And so I called my friend Joe, and I said, now what, Joe? He said, well, we've got to find somebody to distribute it. So a company picked it up and said, yeah, we'll distribute it for sure. So in May of 2015, Hope Bridge was shown at Kenwood Theater, which was cool. But the cool thing was it was released on DVD. It was in every Target across the country. It was in every Walmart across the country. It was in every family Christian bookstore across the country. It's been in South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, 
It's in Germany now. It's a story of a, of a, a son that loses his father to suicide, and he goes on a journey. Why? And it was out to, we are out to save lives. Only God can do that. I'm not capable of that. Christy's awesome, but she's not capable of that either. Only God can do that. And then Christy wrote a book to go along with it. She felt called to write a book, so she wrote a book called Crossing That Bridge. There's a few of them out there, if anybody wants one. Encouraging stories about people that have been there. People have lost someone to suicide, people that attempted themselves, and how they got through it, because that's what we need to do. We need to get through it. And that's the next piece of the mustard seed, is it's powerful. Because the Lord didn't just make a movie. The Lord said, no, we're, we're going further than this. We're going further than this because it's powerful. Luke 17, 6 says, Jesus, Jesus said, if you had the faith like a mustard seed, you could tell this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. A mulberry tree is known for its very invasive and destructive root system. If anybody has seen a tree that kind of goes under a driveway, you see the driveway starting to crack, that is the type of root system of a mulberry tree. I remember having a friend who had a mulberry tree tip over, sidewalk ripped up, concrete driveway ripped up. It is a root system that is invasive. That root system was invasive in me. This rejection, this need for affirmation, it was invading my life and it kept on invading my life. It didn't go away. But it didn't go away until, until I said, Jesus, I need you to take this from me. What do I need to do for you to take this from me? And he said, you've got to forgive your father. You've got to bless your father. So I forgave my father. I love my father. He passed away in 2010, but I was like, I bless him right now with everything that he has. He is in heaven. I forgave and blessed my ex-wife. I even forgave and, and, and blessed her, the guy who I feel like ripped up the family. Some people say he's unforgivable, and it's like, no, nobody's unforgivable because we only have one enemy. Satan is our only enemy, and he used them to get to me. And I say no. And Jesus says, it will, will rip up those roots. So those roots were ripped out of me, and my life was changed, and that, mulberry seed, or that, that mustard seed started growing beyond belief in my life. So I ask you, what, what do you need to give Jesus today? Because we all have those root systems. What is, what is that root system today that needs to be ripped out of you? Is there someone you need to forgive? Is there someone you need to let go of that? So just like the mustard seed, then things started getting really crazy. So Christie's home church down in West Palm Beach, Florida, Christ Fellowship, about the size of Crossroads, said, hey, we'd like to show the movie down here. Um, we're going to get a small room and see if some people show up, and maybe we can help some people. And Christie said, no. No. We're going to get the cast there. She said, I want to see that movie in the sanctuary. And they were like, well, I don't know about that. And sure enough, a month before we started, they said, I think we're going to show it in the sanctuary, which holds 3,000 people. We get down there, 1,500 people show up. We show the movie. We start fielding what we think are going to be questions afterwards. Here's what we got. Thank you. Thank you for, that my loved one is not lost now for naught. Thank you. Thank you for showing me that I am not the only one that's struggling and that it's okay, and that I can get help, and it's okay to ask for help. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then we went to Michigan. This is up in Michigan. Someone was in the audience from Michigan. We went to Michigan. That's 1,000 people. That was the second. We had one month earlier that had 1,000 people. 
And what told us that this movie was worth it is that this event right here, a kid named Zach. Zach comes up to us and said, Mr. and Mrs. Eaton, I just wanted to thank you. I was at your event a month ago, and it was on my birthday. It was the best birthday I ever had. We're like, wow, that's great, Zach. He's like, no, you don't understand. That afternoon, I had made the decision I was going to take my life that night, and I got invited to your event at the last minute. It saved my life. Now, he, we still get emails from his mom saying he's an advocate to help other students, help other kids. He's amazing. So we're like, it's worth it. Thank you, God, it's worth it. But we've gotten hundreds of emails like that, hundreds. All it takes is just a step of obedience and the power position. This is the power position because a mustard seed is powerful. And that's what Jesus does is, is he takes that. He says it in Titus 2. He says, it, did we get, I'm going to redeem that. All those things that I struggled with, all that rejection I struggled with. He said, I'm going to redeem that, David, and I'm going to use that. And I'm going to use that. Because Jesus is in the redemption business. He's in the transformation business in our lives. And he has redeemed that, and it has taken me on a new journey of obedience. Christy and I on a new journey of obedience. I'm in seminary. Christy's on the on the staff at Crossroads doing community care. I participate in this thing called Man Camp at Crossroads, which many of you may have heard about, but 1,500 men coming in on a, on a property that we own, but I'm on a ministry team there, breaking chains, pulling out mulberry roots. Praise Jesus. Amen. Pulling out. And then Christy works in an assisted living place. Amazing place. And she said, David, they... They have, they have nobody to do church for them. It's, and it's like we start seeing these people, and, and, and you know from memory care, sometimes, sometimes there are some families that kind of put their loved one in there, and, then, and they feel like they're forgotten sometimes. They feel like they're forgotten. And Jesus says, you are not forgotten. No matter who you are, you are not forgotten. And so now Christy and I do church for them twice a month, full Full-on hymns. I'm learning hymns. Christy knows all the hymns. I'm learning all the hymns. Blessed assurance, baby, come on. We're doing hymns. We're doing the prayer. We're doing the creed. We're doing sermons. We're doing communion. And it's amazing what's happened. Because the next piece of the mustard seed is that it's a tree where birds perch. Because God says in his word, Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things, everyone say all things. things. Everyone say all things. things. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And guess what? He's called you for a purpose. He's called you for a purpose. He's called every single one of you for a purpose. We just need to ask him what that purpose is. And sometimes I used to ask him, it's like, Lord, what's, the purpose, what's the, my purpose for my life? And he said, David, don't ask that. The question is, what's your purpose for today? What do you need me to do today, Lord? Because just like this whole movie, I spent two years looking for the purpose of the movie and how to get the movie done. He said, if you just ask me about today, I'll make it work. So ask the Lord, what's my purpose for today? If we go to the next one. So things, crazy things happening now. So in the middle and on the top is, is us in this assisted living place. We started with three people. Three people showed up for church. Now we have to go to a different room because now, now there's like 25 or 30 people. They're starting to invite their, their, uh, their kids. The employees are starting to come in. 
Caregivers are starting to come in. Here you have on the top left, they're all holding hands. We, we, we spoke on the Good Samaritan, and we're, starting to, we're doing the final prayer, and they're all clenching hands, one. We've had a healing from cancer, stage three cancer. She forgave her husband, ex, her husband deceased husband of some things. Two weeks later, the doctor's like, I can't explain it, but your cancer's gone. Then, of course, Christy down, down in the bottom left to talk about redemption, I'm telling you. I didn't even know what love was until I met her. That's what God does. He redeems everything in our lives. My kids, on the bottom right, we have six kids. Five were teenagers. I have a whole other sermon on having five teenagers all at once. <laughs> That's why I have this chair, because I can take a rest, because I need a rest in the middle of that one. And then you have in the middle here, you have little Lizzie, who's the, the little young lady with no hair, stage four cancer. A friend of mine says, David, I think you're supposed to come down to Children's Hospital. We're supposed to pray with her, and you're supposed to bring my 12-year-old son, Bennett. We go down there. It's like, let's go. We're holding hands in the, in the, in the chapel, ready to go, and, and my friend John's hands are like ice cubes. Bennett's hands, I felt like I was holding a curling iron. It, I almost hot to the touch. We go upstairs. We pray for Lizzie. He puts his hands on her feet, and she says, Mommy, his hands are really hot. She is cancer-free three months later. Completely. Completely. I talked about blessed assurance. We all have a story. Every single one of us has a story of our lives. My story is different from yours, but everybody has a story in their lives. What Jesus wants to do is give you a song. He wants to give you a song that starts with a yes saying, yes, Lord, I plant that seed in my, in my hair. It, it, it's, it's giving it water and light to let it grow. It's giving it a powerful surrender and obedience to say, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. And it's letting God turn it into Romans 8.28 and turn it into a song. So you all have a story, but do you have a song? So would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for this place. And I want to ask for a bold move for anybody in here today. That you feel like you have a story, but you want God to turn it into a song. If you're one of those people, I want you to make a bold move. I want you to stand up that says, I've got a story, but man, Lord, I I need you to make it a song. So stand up. Let's stand up. If you've got a story, let's turn it into a song. I want to pray specifically for you. Lord, I thank you so much, Lord. You loved us that much that you went on a cross for us. But, Lord, you loved us so much that you will take any of our stories, any of our stories, and turn it for good and make it a song. I pray for all these people that are standing right here, Lord. You know their stories. If they've got to let go of something, if they've got to forgive somebody, if they've got to just give you what they want to say, Lord, I need you to take this away because I want you to make it a song in my heart and in my life. Lord, I pray that you will make it so and you will just pour the Holy Spirit down on everyone in this place and show us who you are so we can sing your song. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Yes, Praise the Lord. Woo! Woo! Mm. That's that's a mustard seed of faith.
spreading like wildfire through one willing servant's life, or two willing servants, or three. I want to highlight one thing for you, and that is Bennett's prayer. Uh, four and five, and but there's probably more. I'm I'm counting. Anyway, what I mean by that is look at the story of uh, David's son Bennett praying for that lady with cancer, that young girl with cancer. We have a tool at our disposal any time, and it is simply to pray for someone else, to pray for someone else. And as followers of Christ, this is your this is your calling. You're, you're priests of the Most High God. All of Every follower of Christ is a priest. So a very simple model to pray. I see you are limping or whatever it may be. May I pray for you? Some, some people will say no, like 0.01%. But most people will say yes. Ask what's been happening and listen well. While you're listening, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what you are to pray. And then pray for the issue. If somebody has cancer, they obviously need to be prayed for healing. But they may also be need to pray for fear or, the, or peace, something else. Whatever God gives you, just pray that. And Jesus' prayers in the New Testament are short. Be healed in Jesus' name. Your faith has made you well. These are not long, eloquent prayers. These are prayers that a five-year-old can say. Jesus, please heal my friend. Amen. And then ask if there's any change. And if while you're praying, they've gone from a 100 pain index to a 40, then pray again. Say, let's just pray one more time and pray again. Uh, if there is time to do that. It's a very simple, powerful tool. And I just want to encourage you, and even now as we have communion, uh, if somebody is uh, that you're with is in pain or needs prayer for something, pray for them right now while we're worshiping and having communion. We will also have prayer teams on the side uh, for you to come and pray and uh, receive prayer and David and I will be praying for anyone who needs prayer at this end. And I just want to introduce us in towards communion. And we will spend the last part of our time together today in worship and praise and fellowship with Jesus. And uh, when we're having communion, uh, there's such an incredible mystery of communion. Jesus is present when two or more are gathered and he is present now, and he wants to work in and through our lives. He wants those of us who want to say yes. And if you've never said yes to Jesus before, I just encourage you, the first step is to ask him to forgive your sins, your selfishness, whatever else might be. And Look, there's nothing you've done that he can't handle. Nothing. And then uh, come and receive communion. In Leviticus chapter 17, here's what it says. It says, I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. So as we get ready to have communion, what is happening as we confess our sin and 
God purifies us from all unrighteousness. And this is uh, what the Apostle Paul said about what Jesus has done for us. He says in 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have even died. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. Father, as we uh, open the communion table, we invite your presence. We ask you, Lord, to minister to each person here today. And that as we partake of this amazing sacrifice, you will set us free, forgive us of our sin, and restore us and fill us, Lord, with yourself. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. The communion table is open for all those who are following Christ. And if this is the first day that you've asked Jesus to forgive your sin, David and I will be up front. We'd love to pray with you uh, before, or, uh, before you have communion. And it looks like we need a prayer team over here. Josh and Amanda, thank you. All right. Let's worship the Lord.